you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Spencer Jordan has, is here this morning. He's going to preach the word of the Lord to us. How many are ready to receive the word of the Lord this morning? Come on, would you put your hands together? Would you welcome Brother Spencer as he comes to preach to us? Praise the Lord, everybody. Can we give that hand clap to the Lord this morning? Come on, don't you love him? He's a good God. It's cold outside today, but it feels good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you doesn't fix the fact it's cold outside, but the Lord is so good. What a, what a beautiful uh, presence of the Lord that's here. Um, Brother, Brother Danny didn't agree. We, we had a conversation before he came up about what he should say about me, and we had a little argument about it. Um, I suggested avid skier. Uh, that didn't happen. So am I an avid skier? Okay. All right. I'm just confirming today that we're on the same page. Hey, it's okay to have fun in church, and I'm glad to see each of you. Um, I'm glad to be home a lot more frequently. Um, really, really enjoying being in Cincinnati and being close and, um, and getting to be with you all on a regular basis. And um, I'd like to, uh, to turn your attention today to the Word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 3. And while you go there, um, if you're following along in your Bibles, I just want to give honor today um, to my father and mother, uh, your pastor and pastor's wife, and all of the leadership here at CLC. Uh, what a great leadership team um, that uh, we are blessed with. And uh, an honor to my wife today, who's not able to be here, but I know she will be watching. And uh, I give honor to her today. I wish she could be with me. 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with me. Amen. Would you just put your Bible down, lift your hands to the Lord for a moment, and just call out on Him. Lord, we need you today. 
We need you to speak to our hearts. We need you to minister to our minds and spirits. Lord, you're more than able to deliver your word to each of us, what we need to receive from you. And let that ready word go into each heart in the way that you intended it. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Joseph Skirvin, born in 1819, lived a difficult life. His, his career in the military was ruined by poor health. His first engagement to his fiancée on the eve before his wedding night was, was um, a tragedy as his wife-to-be uh, drowned just that night before his wedding. And the man, he, he dealt with very severe depression as a result of some of these events. Later down the road, he would meet another woman, and he would fall in love again and, and give that another opportunity. And again, this wife-to-be uh, would lose her life in a very similar accident. He struggled to make ends meet. He was a poor man who often had to live with friends and struggled his way through life. But as he did, he had a, an unending trust in God. And, and he wrote these words. He said, what a friend we have in Jesus. Our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. He sung these words. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Hallelujah. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He had a difficult life, but he understood, he understood those words. I'm not a singer today or a musician, I don't bring it justice to its full capacity, but he understood that he had a friend in Jesus. And, and I, I want to remind you today that you have a friend in Jesus. He's not distant, he's not far off, he's not hard to reach, you have a friend in Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Dylan. What a great job Brother Dylan and Sister Kayla are doing in the ministry the Lord is blessing in the Spanish community here in Frankfurt. I'm so proud and excited to see what the Lord is doing. The text we read today, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth, and he's, he's addressing the fact that among them, um, false voices, false prophets, false Christs, false doctrines, false gospels, false spirits were arising, and, and Paul took issue with this. Um, these were men and women that he had begotten in the gospel. These were people that he, he so dearly loved, and he was somewhat frustrated, um, maybe not so much toward the people as much as it was 
but he was frustrated uh, toward the subtlety of the serpent. That just as the serpent did to Eve, that the devil would come in amongst the people and through his whispers and through his lies, he would convince them of things that were outside of the plan of God. Adding, taking away from the word of God. And in this, it's been debated whether or not it was a statement said in sarcasm or frustration or, or maybe it was just a, uh, a statement that he, he meant in a, in a literal way and, and maybe he meant it in a compassionate way. We really don't know the way that it uh, was intended and sometimes in the writing uh, it's difficult to hear the tone. But in the end of the passage that we read this morning, he makes the statement he might well bear with him. And that statement has been translated in different ways. It's been debated. But he was saying something like this. He was giving them the warning of, of the subtlety of the serpent. He, he was telling them not to allow their minds to be corrupted, to be robbed from the simplicity they'll bear with them. In other words, uh, you make it easy enough uh, for, for, for people to come in and do this. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it was something along the lines of you're not very hard on them. Um, I, I don't know today if that was Paul's frustration, Paul's anger toward false doctrine, or if it was just simply Paul making a very real and literal statement. Um, because he does, he does open uh, that third verse in, in explaining this is a fear. Uh, but, but I fear by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. He, he cared for these people. He loved these people. And, and he feared that so easily among them would rise voices that would bring other Christs, other spirits, other gospels. And I, I, I want you to know today, and this is no secret to anyone, that we're living in a world of, of, of so many religious complexities, uh, interpretations, and, and, and some portray Jesus as being so much more complicated than he is. Um, there are those that, that make him out to be angry, to be distant, to be disapproving, that uh, make this message to be a uh, convoluted message, that it can be on one of two extremes. Sometimes it's a message uh, that does not uh, come with an element of change, no requirement for change, um, no byproduct of change, or maybe on the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, a message that requires so much change uh, that is by your own capacity uh, that it becomes an impossible burden. And, and these were the things that, that Paul feared, that uh, the nature of Christ would become misrepresented than the Christ that they first knew, that the elements of the gospel once delivered to them would become added to or maybe taken away from, misconstrued. And, and we see this so often today. Uh, people are confused about what to believe. Uh, they're confused about who Jesus is. Um, social media has given way to 
to anyone being an expert at anything. Um, I, I was cooking in the kitchen today, or not today, uh, the other day, someone say, uh-oh, and um, I, my, my wife had come in and seen me working, and we've been trying to eat cleaner and healthier, and I told her something I'd heard online. I said it with sincerity, um, that they're saying that um, bacon grease is better for you than butter. And when I said that, uh, she looked at me like I was crazy, and she said, no, 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 you did not just say that bacon grease is better for you than butter. And I kind of looked, no, I, I'm, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. I heard this on a podcast, and um, so because I heard it on a podcast, obviously it, it bears some kind of merit. And, uh, you know, maybe this wasn't the case with, with bacon, but I will tell you that there are people out there that have a lot to say about God that lack an experience with God. And, and this is why that we don't, we don't add or take away to the word. And while we're a spirit-filled people, we believe in spiritual gifts, we believe in um, uh, prophecy, we believe in uh, tongues of interpretation, uh, tongues given for interpretation. We believe in these things, but all of those things are held by the measure of the word of God. And so if today I were to give uh, tongues and an interpretation was given and it was outside of the principle that the Bible has already laid out for us, then that uh, tongue and interpretation is made void because it does not pass the test of the word of God. Um, this is shadow on other groups and other denominations of people that are sincerely following Christ and pursuing truth. And we believe that when someone pursues truth, they will find truth. And, and, and we will do everything that we can to be an example of truth and to proclaim it in love every opportunity that we can. Uh, but just because someone is used by God does not give them authority in everything that they say. Um, Jesus talked about thy faith hath made thee whole. And sometimes people go to events, they go to services, they go to uh, things that um, maybe are represented outside of the faith that we hold so dear. And I will tell you, people are healed and people are delivered and people are set free. And, and not in every case. Certainly there are people out there that have manufactured healings and deliverances. But, but what I'm telling you today is there are people with that testimony that they've gone to events, gatherings of other faiths, and the Lord did touch them and the Lord did hear them. I want you to know today the Lord does hear your cry. He does respect your sincere faith. But that does not give authority to the doctrines that might be delivered by those very same people. And so we don't accept another Christ. We don't accept another gospel. We don't accept another spirit, save the Christ, the gospel, and the spirit that was once delivered to us through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If I can't find it here, then I'm not going to believe it out here just because someone has a podcast. 
Um, I, I'm not speaking of anybody today in particular. No one comes to my mind when I say these things. But I am well aware of this reality. I, I remember around the ages of 15, 16, 17, um, getting online and hearing various preachers of various groups say certain things. And it challenged me. It challenged me in my faith because I so quickly realized that I thought I knew what I believed, but that I wasn't as sure and confident in what I believed and in my ability to reply with Scripture than I hoped that I was. And some of you remember around that age, me walking around with a journal, and I was always writing in that journal. And um, maybe you complimented me and said, man, I just love your passion for Scripture. The truth is, is that I had become challenged to figure out what it was that I believed because I realized that I was ill-equipped to be able to give an account to every man as the Scripture says. And that, um, that uh, I, I wouldn't call it doubt today as much as I would call it an, un, an uncertainty. That uncertainty became uh, one of the greatest blessings in my walk with God. I'm not telling you today that I have every answer about everything. I certainly didn't at 15, 16, and 17, and I certainly don't now. But what I am telling you is that that questioning became a blessing because it caused me to search the Scriptures. And there is nothing wrong with questioning as long as it causes you to search the Scriptures. Don't let questioning take you outside of the Word of God and, and, and into some place that you're just ready to receive a word from anybody, anywhere, as long as it resonates with you. No, ma'am, no, sir, get into the word of God. And if it's not stated in the word of God, it is not so. We do not have authority to proclaim anything that is outside of the word of God. And we certainly don't have the authority to take away from anything that is in the Word of God. And, and today I, I hear people that make declarations on the Internet. Um, I wish today that I know the youth group is out and they're having a wonderful time. But those that might listen to this later or those of you that might be able to have a conversation later about what was preached, uh, it, it burdens me for our young people because there are countless tens of thousands of voices out there and, and because they have a nice camera and because they have a nice angle and because they have a smiling face, people take them seriously when it comes to the gospel. I'm not saying there are not people out there that are sincere. There certainly are. And there are people out there that are true, that are sincere, that take heed according to the word of God. But be careful the voices that you allow to speak into your ear about who God is, what he came to do, whether or not you're valuable, whether or not that you have value in the Lord, you've got to be able to stop those voices and open up the word of God and ask him, ask him, Lord, I need you to show me in your word whether this be so. And when you ask the Lord to show you in his word, he will show you. Now, he's not going to show you in some vague way where, you know, I can piece a couple of scriptures together 
uh, and their beauty shall consume in the grave. And, and today I've got a message for you um, that all of you are going to be ugly here in a few years because we're all getting older. Um, that's not a word from the Lord. This is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. The passages in Genesis confirm the passages in Revelation. The passages in, in Acts are confirmed by what was proclaimed by Jesus as recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so we take this line upon line, precept upon precept. It's here a little, it's there a little. And maybe today you didn't know this is how um, people decided on what, uh, what ended up in your Bible. Uh, in, 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 in the Old Testament scriptures, uh, you had the, the Tanakh, and the Tanakh was a um, collection of, of scriptures that were read by the Jewish community, and they were agreed upon. They were agreed upon because they kept a, a, a uh, contingency, a, a, uh, a, con- a contiguousness that, that, that from beginning to end, was of one message, of one, uh, of, of one declaration, of one cohesive story. And there were other second temple writings. And, and they debated amongst themselves, did these second temple writings have any merit? Should they be taught? Should they be in what was the Tanakh? Should they be considered? And amongst themselves, they decided we shouldn't consider these. They lack historical value. They, they, they aren't as pure of a record as what these other records are, and they, they don't fit in to the story. And so just because um, Rabbi Joe wrote uh, a, a, a couple of books about uh, what he proclaimed was his revelation about God, uh, these books over here written by Rabbi Joe uh, they, they, they are opposite of these books over here that, that were written by Father Abraham. And so we're not going to accept Joe because he's Rabbi Joe and, and, and put it in because it's going to contradict what Father Abraham, who was given authority by God, wrote under the unction of, of, of his inspiration and spirit. And, and so why am I saying this today? Because we're living in a day that groups arise and they start to say things like, well, uh, have you read the Second Temple literature? Uh, have you read the Book of Enoch? Um, ha- you know, have you ever considered that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, um, you know, we, we believe the Bible, but maybe it wasn't translated correctly. And so, um, you know, our prophet, they, they prayed about this. And because our prophet prayed about this, an angel appeared unto them and, and gave them a better translation. And so we take this translation and we line it up with this translation. But wherever it contradicts, we just take the prophet's translation. I'm going to tell you that the devil himself, marvel not, the devil himself can appear as an angel of light. Not just an angel of darkness. It can come with goodwill. It can come with good intention. It can even appear as light. But we've got to take the word of God and believe that from Genesis to Revelation, the word of God is so. The word of God is settled. The word of God is true. I'm not adding. I'm not taking away. And if you'll truly study it, you'll realize that it is without error. It is without contradiction and written 
been over 1,500 years in, in multiple content, uh, over multiple continents, multiple writers, three-plus languages, maybe four if you count Aramaic, that from Genesis to Revelation, there is one story about a God that loved his people, a people that rejected him, God's attempt to restore his people, their failure to restore it by their own will, and Christ's ability to restore it by his will and his righteousness. It is one story from Genesis to Revelation. Now tell me how you can do that. Tell me over 1,500 years, multiple countries without internet access, without the ability to communicate with one another, how there can be such a cohesiveness of Scripture. It can only come by the inspired writing and ability of the Lord himself. This is why when we read words and Chapters like Isaiah 53, Isaiah wrote things about Jesus in a, in, a, in a prophetical sense that Isaiah never could have had knowledge of. This is because this is the inspired word. I want to say that again. This is the inspired word. This word is real. This word is true. This is one of the most powerful weapons that you have in your arsenal. It is a sword that is sharper than any other sword. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's piercing asunder to the dividing of soul, spirit, joint, marrow, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our hearts. And my thoughts and my intent does not take precedence over the word of God because the word of God discerns the thought and the intent. And so just because someone has good intentions or good thoughts, the word of God will be a discerner about whether or not that word is true. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. That was, that was um, not my intent to pastor today. But I'm burdened. I'm burdened because I see today that this is such a present reality. And Paul warned of this in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. He said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from truth and shall be turned unto fables. This is the world that we're living in. It's a world that people are heaping unto themselves, having itching ears. They need someone to tell them this about their marriage and someone over here to tell them this about their life, someone over here to tell them this about their business, and someone over here to tell them this about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. But they need a rabbi over here to tell them about the, the Tanakh and the Old Testament, and they need someone over here that's an expert on, 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 on all these other things, and they're not heeding to the word of God. Let's be careful that we don't turn unto fables and traditions of men. This is not by might. This is not by power. This is not by anything other than his spirit. Amen. So we take heed unto the word of God. And I remember, I remember the words of, 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 of uh, Deuteronomy. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you. And I want you to know there is an accuser of the brethren. And that accuser of the brethren, the Bible tells us, is the devil. And the devil will so um, subtly, he'll so subtly add and take away from the word of God. 
Um, and, and, it, and here's how it comes. It comes with subtlety. It, it doesn't come so directly. It's, it's not things like, um, uh, you know, what the Lord was actually telling you is you need to serve the devil. Uh, that's not subtle. Uh, it comes with subtlety by heaping unto you burdens that you're unable to carry. And this accuser of the brethren will begin to tell you things like that your prayers don't work unless you do these certain things. And if you do these certain things, then maybe if you beg and if you plead, then the Lord will hear you. And if you're red in the face, maybe the heavens will open up and then suddenly God's able to hear you. The accuser of the brethren will tell you things like, you're not enough to be used by God, and if you want the Lord to forgive you, then you've got to carry burdens that you're never going to be able to carry. And, 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 and this is an accuser of the brethren. You're not enough. You're not able. The Lord doesn't hear you if you don't this. The Lord doesn't care if you don't this. And, 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 and you're out of line if you don't this. Listen, I'm not listening to the accuser of the brethren to tell me how I live for God. The, the voice of the Lord is not a voice of accusation. The voice of the Lord is a voice of impartation. And his voice will impart to me the strength that I need to serve him, the word that I need to serve him, the truth that I need to serve him, the power that I need to serve him, the righteousness that I need to serve him. It is imparted by the Lord himself. Hallelujah, Lord. And we're not giving way to the subtlety and, and the lies of the devil. Because my Jesus says that if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And the accuser of the brethren will say, well, yeah, he might do it, but you missed this, you missed this, you didn't do this correctly, and then if you, if you say it in this order, then, then, then suddenly he'll hear you and he'll do it. That's not what my Jesus said. My Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. The accuser of the brethren will have you convinced that you're perishing no matter how hard you try to live for God, no matter how much you repent, no matter how much you ask for his help, you're perishing, I'm sorry, you're are not enough. That's an accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren will tell you that it's hard to live for God. It's not hard to live for God. It's hard to live for God halfway. The accuser of the brethren will tell you that it's difficult to receive his forgiveness. But my Bible says that he is faithful and he is just to forgive. So when the accuser of the brethren comes with his sword, you've got to be able to pull out your sword and say, no, that's not what my Bible says. That's not what Jesus says. The accuser of the brethren will say, well, what if another prophet came? And what if that prophet had, had more to say about the Bible? And so what if we're missing this, this, and this? But my Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. What's that mean? It means nothing takes precedence before Jesus. Nothing takes precedence before his word. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So their word doesn't supersede his word. And their word doesn't supersede this word. 
And I don't know why I feel this today with such passion. But I'm telling someone in the Holy Ghost today to silence those lies of the devil. You've got to be able to look at good people that you love and say, get thee behind me, Satan. That's not the voice of the Lord that I know. Jesus loved Peter. Jesus cared for Peter. Jesus had a relationship with Peter. But when Peter lifted up his voice and his voice denied the plan and purpose of God, it wasn't Peter that he was frustrated with. It was from the accuser of the brethren, that liar and father of lies, the devil. And he looked at Peter whom he loved and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't care if they do good things. I don't care. Maybe they're a nice person. When I say I don't care today, I'm not saying I don't care for them. I'm saying that good works and good things and good attempts and a smiling face and an angel of light does not take precedence above the authority and the word of God. I've got to remind you that not everything that glitters is gold. Not every voice that can sound like a preacher is a preacher. Not everything that rhymes means that it's biblical. Yeah, I know it sounded like it it rhymed. It had a ring to it. It sounded good and it preached well, but that doesn't make it biblical. Nevertheless, Paul said, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I want to be clear about what I'm saying today. I am not taking a stand against fellow believers or even against those of other faiths that are preaching truth. I'm not taking a stand against them to say, you know, the church down the road, they're the devil and they're used by the devil and all they say is from the devil. That's not what I'm saying today. There are people that are in pursuit of the Lord that they have not yet rightly divided certain things. And we're praying that as they pursue God, that they will come to a moment of rightly dividing the word of truth. And we will preach the truth in love and we'll live out the truth. I'm not affirming what they're doing and I'm not saying that what they're doing is is, is of the devil. I'm saying that Jesus said, if they are not against us, they are for us. Okay, so there are people that they're preaching Jesus and they're preaching you should turn to Jesus and they're preaching faith, but then there are some areas that they don't yet have a revelation. And thank God that they're, they're, they're preaching Jesus and they're preaching that people need to turn to Jesus because if people can just get close enough to hear for themselves and see with their eyes and read this book, then we pray that in their sincere desire to serve God and be like God, that he'll reveal to them his word. Okay, so if they're not against us, they're for us. If they're calling on the name, if they're preaching in, if they're preaching about the name, they might not have the rest quite figured out, but thank God if they're heading toward Christ and not heading away from Christ. But what I am not, what I am not affirming today is I am not affirming that though they may be 
for us in the sense that they're telling people to turn to Christ. That doesn't mean that everything that they're doing that is glittery is gold. It doesn't mean that everything they say is true. Are you hearing me today? Now, there are people out there and there are groups out there that I'll tell you they're against us. And, and, and Jesus said, if, if, if he said, if, if, if they're not against us, they're for us. There are people out there that hate the truth. And they hate the truth not because they just hate the truth and not because they just hate you. They hate the truth because they've got a problem with God. Okay, and when I'm talking about the truth today, I'm not talking about what I have to say or what you have to say. I'm talking about the supremacy of the word of God and what this has to say. And there are people that hate it, that mock it, that turn against it, and they are not for us. Hope this is okay today. But I, I come today with the very same warning as the Apostle Paul. That through subtlety of the serpent, we do not allow our minds to be robbed from the, let me, let me be clear about the word today, the simplicity that is in Christ. There is a simplicity in serving God. Talking to God isn't confusing. Talking to God isn't difficult. Calling on the name of the Lord isn't challenging. And anyone that's heaped onto you burdens that you're unable to carry, you've got to pray this much, you've got to pray at this time, you've got to pray about these three things, and you've got to get it in this order, and then maybe, just maybe, if you beg, if you plead, he'll hear you. That is the accuser of the brethren. There is a simplicity that is in Christ. But let, let me say this too. His word is enough. And anyone that tells you you need to be hearing things outside of what's confirmed in his word, they're lying to you. The Lord can speak to you. The Lord does speak to us. But he speaks to us through his word. And when he speaks to us in our spirit, it's confirmed by his word. So don't let anybody tell you that they got cold chills, goosebumps, and woke up at midnight. And so that means they had an experience with God that you can't have and you haven't had and you don't love God enough to have. That's the accuser of the brethren. So, so those that elevate themselves through spiritual experience and say, you just aren't, you don't care enough, you're not pursuing him enough, you're not enough, you, you, you don't love God enough, and if you took this thing more seriously, then you'd have the experiences that I've had. That's the accuser of the brethren. I'm not denying experiences today. I want you to know that experiences with the Lord are true. People have experienced his presence. People have experienced his voice. People have experienced mighty healings. The dead raised. The blind eyes open. People have experienced the, the ministry of angels. People have experienced these things. But those experiences do not validate their relationship with God more than your relationship with God. Your relationship 
relationship with God will give way to the experiences that he wants you to have when you're pursuing him. I'm not pursuing angels and I'm not pursuing demons. I'm not pursuing some voice to open up at midnight and speak to me all these things about my life and about my future. If the Lord lets me experience one of those things, I'll thank God and I'll give glory to God, but it doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me closer to God. It doesn't make me more sensitive to his voice. It doesn't give me an authority that you don't have. The only authority that I have is his word, his spirit, and his name. And don't you allow the accuser of the brethren to say that you need something beyond his spirit. His spirit is enough. Abraham was a great man. But I'm not praying today that God would make me be like Abraham. The apostles were great men. Mighty, used of God, confident, bold men. But I'm not trying to be like Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark. I'm not trying to be like any of them. I'm trying to be like Jesus because they were trying to be like Jesus. Sometimes people are well-meaning, and I know what they mean when they say this, but we get this idea in our head that I serve God, I know God, I'm trying to be like God, but there's a problem in my relationship. I'm not apostolic enough. Hold on a minute. Because if being apostolic is something more than being like Christ, then I don't want to be that at all. The reason we are apostolic is because what we're saying when we say we're apostolic is we're saying we're, we're doing our best to be like the original church. But don't forget who the original church was trying to be like. Don't forget that the apostles were first disciples in pursuit of Christ, and Christ empowered them into apostolic ministry. So my pursuit to be apostolic starts with the pursuit to be like Christ. Are you hearing me today? Don't let anybody tell you you need something more than his word. Don't you let anybody tell you that you need anything more than his spirit. That is an accuser of the brethren. Talking to God is not cumbersome. Hearing from God is not difficult. He is available. He is present. He is not unreachable or difficult to get in touch with. God doesn't keep hours. Make sure you heard that today. God doesn't keep hours. He doesn't just answer the phone at certain times. He doesn't just answer the phone when you say certain things. He's there. He's present. He hears you. He knows what you're going through, and he's ready to answer. And when Jesus talked about the man that lifted up his voice, and he walked around, and God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Thank you for the special authority that you've given me. Thank you that you've made me so great and of high esteem. Thank you. Thank you that, that I am not like others. Thank you that, that I have some ability to, to I, I, I've, I, I, I've somehow had an ability to overcome sin nature, and I've, I've never done anything wrong. That's my, that's my version of that prayer. That's not the prayer that he respected. He respected the prayer of the man that fell on his face before God and said, God, I acknowledge I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm messed up, I've gone through some things and I've done some really bad things, but I need you to help me. That's the prayer that God respects. 
doesn't, you know, arrogance isn't a spiritual gift. And pride certainly isn't. And arrogance certainly isn't. And a loud voice certainly isn't. And I'm telling you today that no matter how bold you are, how proud you are, how arrogant that we can be when you lift up your voice, and that doesn't give you more authority than what Jesus has already given you. The authority that we have is from his word, by his spirit, by his name. And the confidence that I have is not in men. The confidence is in God. So I'm not putting my confidence in some ability to convey the word of God in such a way that you believe I have more authority than you have. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. That's an accuser of the brethren. And you'll go home confused and uncertain about your walk with God. I'm coming to tell somebody today that if you've come to church today for your first time and he fills you with his spirit, you have an authority through his name to be able to call on him. And he hears you. You have an authority in his name that when you're baptized, your sins are washed away. You have an authority in his name that as you are obedient to God's word, he'll use you. He'll do a work in your life. He'll lead you closer and closer to him. So don't let anybody convince you that you've been accepted. Sometimes you've got you've to get away from what people are saying and you've got to get to wait Get, get back to what he's saying in his word. For there is one God and mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Okay, Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. I want to be clear today. You're not going to be more like Jesus trying to be like somebody you're not and trying to be like somebody you admire and trying to be like somebody else. Because what happens is as you get closer to those people, you're going to realize something that disappoints them. You're going to realize that I am flesh and they are flesh. I, 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 there's nobody in this room that you would even, um, even consider this today. So I'm saying this because this is an easy example. That, that's not a literal example. If you left here today trying to be more like me, then as you tried to be more like me, you'd find something out about yourself. You'd find out that, that, that I put on my socks in the morning. Okay, You'd find out that, that I brush my teeth the way that you brush your teeth. Okay, And if you're looking to me today, again, I'm, this, is a, this, is a, this is not a literal example. If you're looking to me today, then as you get closer to me, you're going to realize that what you were looking for had nothing to do with me to begin with. Okay? Paul had to deal with this because some were saying, I'm of Paul. And some were saying, I'm of Apollos. Okay, that's great. Paul was a good man. Apollos was a good man. But Paul had to clarify this real quickly. Some plant, some water, God gives the increase. I'm not of Paul, I'm not of Apollos, I'm of God. Okay, Paul was trying to be like Jesus. Apollos was trying to be like Jesus. So I might as well bypass the middleman because there's only one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus.
I, I, we have to quit and shake ourselves and remind us of who Jesus is. Because here's what the accuser of the brethren will do. The accuser of the brethren will have you convinced that the voice of God sounds different. The, the accuser of the brethren will have you convinced that God is always mad at you. And he's always frustrated at you. And, and, and making things right with him is difficult. And here's what this does to people. It keeps people away from him. It keeps people away from him because they can't carry the burden that someone is telling them they have to carry. We've got to remember that he carried the burden to the cross. And he has not made things inaccessible. He's made them accessible. He's not built up a wall or a veil. He tore the veil. He, he, he let the walls fall down. And he made himself available to you and to I. So you've got to remind yourself that Jesus is lowly and meek. You've got to remind yourself that Jesus is patient and true. You've got to remind yourself that Jesus is near to the brokenhearted, that Jesus is merciful and kind, that God is love. Because people that are accusers of the brethren will tell you things that have you convinced that God doesn't love you, you're not enough, God doesn't care, and, and, and maybe one day you'll be able to get everything in order and then finally you'll have a walk with God. That is a lie. Okay, the Lord cares for you. He cares for me. He can handle my confusion. He can handle your confusion. He can handle your uncertainty. He can handle your questions. You know, sometimes I, I feel so bad for Thomas because he's kind of unfairly called doubting Thomas. He wasn't there when the, the other men were there, and, 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 and you know, the others, they, they, they saw Jesus. They experienced him. They saw the, the holes in his side and, and the nail scars, and they saw the screams, and they, they, they encountered him. And living. Thomas, we saw it for ourselves. Thomas, if you could have just been there. And poor Thomas. I, I kind of feel like Thomas. Because Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see. And so later we find we're there with Jesus. And can I tell you what Jesus didn't do? Jesus didn't look at Thomas and say, Thomas, man. We got to work on you. Th Thomas, what's wrong with you? Thomas, why didn't you receive this to begin with? Jesus looked at Thomas, knowing in his spirit what he would say. And he said, Thomas, come see the nail scars. Come see the holes. Come, 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 come look. Come, come closely. Come and touch it. Come and feel it. Come, come and experience this because I want you to get this for yourself. I'm going to tell you that if you're like me today and say there's been some times in your life you felt a little bit like doubting Thomas, that's an unfair statement. That's an accuser of the brethren that put doubt before your name to begin with. I don't think Thomas was doubting Thomas. I think Thomas was Thomas that needed Jesus to give him an experience with him that Thomas could then go ho home with and say, I experienced the nail scars in his hands. Don't be afraid to say, God, I see these people receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. It looks great, but I need my own experience. God, 
I see that someone was baptized. You change their life. You set them free. But I need my own experience. God, I see these people. They're laid out on the floor. They're calling on you. They're screaming when they worship. But I need my own experience. He won't judge you. He won't get mad at you. He won't turn your back on you. In fact, when you walk into the room, he'll say, come and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and see the nail scars in my hands. He didn't scold Thomas. He gave him what he needed to believe. The problem is, is that we get these things that are positioned around Christ that keep people from Christ. Here's what I mean by that. I, I, we were talking in the car yesterday, and I used this example. It's not the best example in the world. It's my attempt. Being with Jesus is something like sitting with him in a warm, warm cabin with all the food you need, completely safe, completely secure. The cabin's warm. The fire's on. He's there. He's present. He cares. He loves you. He knows your needs. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything you've asked for, and he's ready there to be with you and do it. And he's in the warm cabin, and, and this is a cold, 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 barren world. But sometimes because the cabin looks difficult and the cabin looks far away and the cabin looks difficult to get to and the cabin doesn't look like the cabins I've seen before and it doesn't look like the cabins I've experienced, people stay away from Christ. If they just knew that once you get inside of the cabin and experience in the Lord, knock and he'll answer. If you don't even have the ability to step into the cabin, knock on the door and he'll come and invite you in. We get these things that surround Christ, cultures and traditions and ways of doing things and ways different churches do things and ways different preachers do things and ways I do things and ways you do things. But let's not get those things in the way of someone's ability to experience Jesus. Make straight paths for your feet. Make it, make it accessible. Make it a direct line to God. Don't make it challenging for people to get to God. Let me talk to every person teaching a Bible study. Let me talk to every, everybody ministering to your coworker. Don't make it difficult for people to come to Jesus. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let me, let me, tell, let me tell you how simple prayer is. Prayer is as simple as this. God, Lord, I'm going through some things in my life. And God, I, I've got a couple things I'm going to ask you for, but I don't even fully know what I need. But Lord, you know what I need, and I'm calling on you right now. I don't even have the words. I don't even really have the strength. But God, you're able to give me everything that I need. And right now, I just want to spend some time with you. Can I tell you what it isn't? Scripture talks about vain repetition. Here's what it isn't. It's not staying loud, red in the face, and God, 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 right now, Lord, God, I need you, God, now, now if I, Lord, I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging, I'm begging. That's not what it's like to talk to God. You're making it harder on yourself. You're putting on a burden that's exhausting you when you go to talk to God. Talking to God isn't exhausting. Talking to God is refreshing. 
Opening up the Bible isn't difficult. Opening up the Bible when the accuser of the brethren is in your ear is difficult. So I'm telling somebody today, you go home and open up this Bible for yourself. Well, I don't know where to start. Ask God. Lord, I need you to show me your plan in Genesis. I need you to show me your plan in Exodus. I need you to show me your plan in Leviticus. He's given us pastors. He's given us ministers. And this is a blessed church. You are so tremendously blessed. I'm partial today with a wonderful pastor, wonderful pastor's wife, brother brother Dylan, sister Caleb, brother Danny, sister Cheryl, brother Brandon, brother, I almost said sister Brandon, brother Gilliland. Who else? Just raise your hand. I'm going to start calling your names out. We're blessed with some wonderful people. And when you've got questions, it's good to go talk to those people. It's good to go ask them, show me in the word of God where this is so, and and because I, I want to do the best that I can do to be like Christ. I'm not telling you today not to do that. I'm not telling you today to bypass that. I'm not telling you today to go around your pastor and say, well, God spoke to me last night at midnight, and God told me I need to do this, 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 and this, and it's not in the Bible, but God told me, and I'm going to do it. Okay, that's not the way the Lord speaks. But here's how he does speak. He will speak to you and he'll confirm it by his word. And so if you're wondering, was it God, was it God, was it God, was it God, go to your pastor, go to a minister, go, go. I don't even know what pastors we have, youth pastors, family life pastors, kids pastors, Spanish church pastors, music pastors, assistant pastors. Go to someone, a Bible study teacher, a small group leader, and say, can you show me in the word of God where this is so? Let me speak to every person that someone might come to you and ask that. If you don't know the answer, don't have the pride and, and, and you know, button your suit coat and say, well, uh, brother, um, I, I can't exactly. No, don't do that. Sit down with them and say, you know what? Let's make this a matter of prayer and study together. And you come back to me and show me what you found. And I'm going to come back to you and show you what I found. And we're going to take this thing slow, line up on line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And we're going to hold this to the word of God. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 2, beloved, now are we the sons of God, and if it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Let me hear this. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know today that you can have this confidence in God. There's the day that's coming that you're going to see him without the chaos. You're going to see him without religious noise. You're going to see him without description, commentary, tradition. You're going to see him with a pure experience, a pureness to his word, a pureness to his voice. And I want you to know that while that day is coming, if today you'll get it in your mind and in your heart that I'm going to do everything that I can do to be like him and pray and read his word, then you're purifying yourself even as he is pure until that day comes. So 
when the noise surrounds your head, when the voices are spinning around you, when, when podcasters are out there saying that lard and bacon grease is better for you than butter. When you hear all these voices, I want you to turn around and say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not taking this as truth yet. I'm going to take this to the word of God. If the word of God says this is true, then I can take it to the bank. This check will cast. This word is true because Jesus said it's true. The apostles confirmed it's true. My Bible says that it's true. Don't go cherry picking the Bible and saying, well, if Jesus didn't say it in this way, then I'm not going to receive it. The Bible teaches some things in principle, but those same principles start in Genesis and end in Revelation. So if you can't find the statement that you're looking for, look for the principle that you're looking for. Because I can guarantee you that if it's of God, it's there. thinking about this last night. I, I, I'm, 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 no, I'm no Dick Duggar. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a poet. If you've never heard Brother Duggar give some poetry, man, I, I, Brother Duggar's given poetry that's made me cry. Sometimes it's about God. Sometimes about the church. Sometimes it's about a person to honor them. Brother Duggar should give some poetry. Okay, I, I, I'm no Brother Duggar, but I sat down last night, and, and, and I just had some words come to me. This isn't a song. This isn't, this is no, this is no Richard Duggar. But let me tell you what this is. This is a true experience that I've had. This, as I started thinking, who did I admire when I was young? Who did I look up to? What, 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 what apostles, what disciples, what Old Testament uh, people? Who, who was I looking to? And, and I wrote these words, and it's not rhythmic. It doesn't, it doesn't rhyme, but, but I wrote this. When, when I was young, I admired Peter, his confidence and zeal. It, it was Peter at Pentecost, his, his great boldness and will. I, I'd lift up my voice like Peter's. I'd be the one that proclaims, what must we do? I, I'd shout it. I'd shout it from the rooftops. I'd declare it from the pews. I got a little older, and I admired Paul. Paul's wisdom and rebuke. Paul's careful counsel. In every dispute. And yet now, my pursuit is not Peter. My attempt is not Paul. My attempt is Christ's likeness. And that is all. To Peter, Jesus said, follow me. To Paul, Jesus said, go. Both Peter and Paul are men to be honored. But Jesus is the one to honor. I want you to know today that no one can take away your experience with Jesus. And if you've never had an experience with Jesus, you can lift up your hands today and say, God, I need to experience you for myself. It's been a long time. My faith is wavering. I'm unsure about a lot of things. But I need you to show me. Worship's not difficult. Worship's not hard. Prayer's not difficult. Prayer's not hard. Living for God's not difficult. It's not hard when you do it with Him. I want you to stand with me across this room today. I want you to lift up your voice. Every eye closed, focused on God for a moment. Every hand lifted if you would. I'm not commanding you today. I'm asking you, give God a moment to talk to you. Lord, 
God, we need you today. Lord, we need you. We don't want to follow after men. We want to follow after God. And Lord, there's some voices out there that are saying all kinds of things about who you are and, and what you do and what you've said. But I need to know what you said. I need to know who you are. Come on, every person, young and old, maybe you've been in church a long time. It'd be a lie to say that you've never had questions. Or maybe today you're just now experiencing God. You're, you're not sure where to start. You're not sure where to turn. I want to invite you to come to the front this morning. And I want you to lift up your hand. Come on, let, let's have the humility to say right where we're at, God, you know, this is me as much as it's anybody. Paul said, I, I'm a chief among sinners. God, I, I, I've been as confused as anybody. Lord, I've not had the answers just as much as anybody, but I need you right now. Come on, lift up your own voice to the Lord in prayer right now. Come on, talk to him. He hears you. He's here right now. Come on, let's not go through the motions this morning. God hears you. He's listening. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. Open up your mouth. He hears you. Come on, what needs do you have this morning? What answers do you need from God this morning? Come on, lift up your voice. Maybe you can find a person next to you to partner with in prayer and begin to pray for them and then for you. Lift up your voice this morning. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. God, we glorify your name, Jesus. Come on, let's not go through traditional motions this morning. We're not waiting on any big thing to happen to move us. The presence of the Lord is here. God, I need you to help me. I need you to show me. I need you to talk. place of prayer this morning.